the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 0111911. It is 5.06 on the Central Coast. It is Tuesday, January 8th, 2024. I'm Dave Congleton. I'm very pleased to be offering you the following uh, conversation. Uh, We'll be joined shortly by Dr. Steve Sainsbury. But currently in studio, we're joined by Dr. Renee Bravo and Wendy DeGroot. We're going to remind many of you of a very special woman and of a very special place in this community. We're going to talk about Shani DeGroot, who passed away last Thursday. And the newcomers listening to me right now, you don't know much about her, I imagine, and you certainly don't know about the home that she set up for children. 37 years in operation, so there's a lot to talk about. Let's start by welcoming my guests. We have uh, Dr. Bravo here and Wendy DeGroot. We welcome both of you to the show. Nice to see you. Uh, Wendy, uh, my condolences, our condolences on the passing of your mother. She, we lost her last week. Yeah, Had she been Thursday. suffering? She'd been suffering? Um, she had, uh, has had some decline the last few months, but was not giving up, <laughs> like her motto, never giving up, till she was planning on living over 100, but uh, she was having some decline. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Bravo, how did you first come across her? You know, I, found, I, I met Shawnee DeGroote, you know, in the 80s when I first got here as a 28-year-old pediatrician, and uh, one of my partners said, hey, there's a there's a home for medically fragile children here in town uh, can you cover for me and, and i went over there one of the kids had an issue and that's when i first met mrs degroot i never met anybody like that yeah. and she absolutely fascinated me because in this room there were cribs with kids with you know suction machines oxygen also uh, uh, gt G, gastrostomy feeding tubes and she was taking care of all of them with some help there and um i was like astonished and I was amazed because I had never known that this could happen in the local community at a home like this. And they were all loved. It was it was actually I, I remember going home and telling my wife, you, you won't believe what I just who I just met and what I saw. So that was it. It was nineteen eighty eighty seven, I believe, or eighty six. Um And this is the Osos and Bouchon? It's on yeah. Bouchon, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Osos and Bouchon yeah. is where this was. Yeah. And and, and, and actually Shawnee's story or dedication to these kids is what really drew me in. And you stayed in touch with her over the years. Yes, I did. You were a big supporter of hers. Oh, I've, I've been in this very, I've been in these studios talking about yeah. her, you know, with some of, with some other very good leaders who are no longer with us. How did she impact you though, as a doctor? Um, as, as a physician, she gave, she, she, she never gave up hope in situations which were medically hopeless with children with genetic conditions disabilities that others would say no just you know make them comfortable and let them go she never gave up hope and she fed them took care of their and 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 some of them just survived much longer and that's how she inspired me because she made me realize that as physicians we don't know everything yeah you know so that you know and and then the other thing too is that she was just so doggone persistent and she 
was she had a nose for dysfunctional bureaucracies. She knew where they where they were, and yeah. and, and bureaucrats trembled in her presence sometimes. It may have been her undoing, though, as we'll talk yeah, about here a little yeah. bit. So, Wendy, let's talk a bit prior to the home. What should our listeners know about your mom? What was her life like prior to opening up the home? Well, she went through a lot in her life. I mean. Um, She's from Holland. My parents immigrated here in the late 50s with three young children. And in that time of her early childhood, she saw World War II really hurt her homeland. Um, She decided she saw little children being um, treated not well um, by the Nazis and said, someday I want to help kids like that that are exterminated. And she went along when she turned 18 after World War II and got her nursing degree and um, then met my dad and started a family and saw, I can't do what I'd like to do here in Holland. I, I, we're going to go to the U.S. And so she, um, with some sponsors, um, came over to San, right to San Luis Obispo, lucky for me, um, and then started um, growing her family and working in French hospital and taking care of um, pediatrics there. And the children would come in that were disabled and the doctors or families wouldn't know really, they don't, the families don't have respite. And mom goes, bring them on the weekend when I'm not working so you can go out or have a vacation. So it kind of started organically that way, the home. Uh, so much I want to ask you, but I also want to welcome Dr. Steve Sainsbury into the conversation. Dr. Steve, good to see you. Hello, Dave. What's your connection to Mrs. DeGroote? Well, I wore a few, ha- a couple of hats with regards to Shawnee. I first met her at church. We're in the same congregation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the, the congregational leaders and got to know her that way. But more importantly, in the last uh, 15 years, I've served as her uh, personal physician and three of her adopted kids that live with her. And so I went in every month to see Shawnee and was just blown away, amazed at the dedication and love and lives that she saved through her efforts. Dr. Bravo was sharing his impressions. Talk a little bit more about what it was like inside the DeGroote home. You walked into the DeGroote home and it wasn't like a hospital. It wasn't like a skilled nursing facility. It was like a home where a lot of damaged um, kids with feeding tubes with that had been kind of cast off by society, as it were, were lovingly taken care of year after year after year after year. I don't know how many, Wendy would probably know, or, or Renee, how many, how many kids she took care of, but it must have been hundreds. Yeah, yeah, hundreds. And these are kids that never would have survived without Shawnee's care. Were these all local? Children? No, no, oh, most, no. no, most all over the state. And a lot, of, a lot of them were sent by the state. They didn't have families, wards of the court. You know, I don't think what people in San Luis Obispo County appreciated about Shawnee is the fact that, that I mean, I mean, facility, I mean, Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, San Francisco, Stanford, um, a lot of these um, tertiary centers 
would, especially the NICUs and neonatal intensive care units, would identify children that they didn't know how to place or where to go because they had genetic or disabilities and, and the, the, they didn't have a social situation that would allow them to be cared for. So they were stuck. And so Shawnee, the word was out throughout the state of California, send them to San Luis Obispo. And, uh, and I would get phone calls from from doctors and other at other medical centers, and they would say, Are "You sure you guys can handle this?" And I would just kind of chuckle. I said, "You don't know," <laughs> but uh, yes, that that put us on the map in the disability community quite a bit in the eighties and the nineties um, when there w- there seemed to be a lot of effort to do this. Um, Shawnee was providing care that was fairly unheard of. I mean, she was doing, and these kids were living and they were surviving. And, and, and the other thing that was remarkable during that era is that um, when she would do these sorts of things, the state didn't know how to classify her or what, because she wasn't a hospital yeah. and she wasn't a nursing home. And so all of these battles came up because the state didn't have a category for her. You know, and that's why I really got involved with that because it was such an interesting policy question. And living in with your patients that are that she, ill she and lived dying, there. yeah, and yeah. still loving and giving a peaceful, happy existence for them and, and, a, you and grew a family. Up, you grew up in that, and I grew sure. up with that. Yeah. What was that like? Um, not normal, but <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but it was. But you had to learn about life and death at an early age. Yes, yes. I mean, I think the first child that I remember. I was 12 that came in and was a local child and we still get cards from this family because my mom saved their family really. Um, she had to trach, the first child we had a tracheotomy and as a 12 year old seeing a child that sick that you would say vegetative state with a trach and learning how to suction and bathe and just provide good loving normal music and touch and and a dog and a family, but this very ill child and the family being able to see, you know, we're showing love to this very sick young lady. And I'll, and I'll be brutally honest, a lot of these kids that Shawnee took in would have been institutionalized in, in, in a situation where they wouldn't have survived very long at no. all. No. And, and she not only allowed them to survive, but to thrive and feel loved. And though many of them did die and, and pass away eventually, the life that they lived was one filled with loving people taking care of them. It's, it's absolutely remarkable the, the extent of the disabilities they had and how she was willing to take all comers and provide that love and skilled nursing care that they needed. She, she actually liked that, that no one else could or would take them. Yeah. She said, bring them to me, yep. me and my doctors. Dutch brogue. Very yeah. strong till the end, yeah. even stronger at the end. Well, uh, I don't even know if the doctor could understand her. At the why, end. Wouldn't, why, wouldn't other doc- why wouldn't other doctors help these children? Well, it, it, it's because they're very complicated. Their, 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 their lifespans were very short. Um, it was very, and you had to really know what to do and how to do it. And that, that sort of, that sort of knowledge is not widely known because there isn't a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. She created the platform that allowed the medical community, myself and, and some other pediatricians, I want to give credit to them, the ability to, to, to know, to learn what to do. Pain control, for example. Um, how do you deal with an anencephalic child, a child without a brain? Uh, how do you give them pain control? Things like that. See, and some of the kids that she came to, to take care of didn't last a couple of weeks. Others were supposed to not last a couple of weeks and lasted a couple of years. You know, that or, sort of... Or 
37 years well, 30, and thriving yes, and living yes. in her own apartment. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's true. How, how many children might have been there at a, at a time, Wendy? Well, we it was a 15-bed facility, so mm-hmm. it was full all the time. And, and mm-hmm. like, fax machine of, we have a new client. Well, sorry, oh, we don't have an opening. Yeah. Burned a lot of fax machines. Yes, <laughs> a lot of faxes. Yeah. You, you have an opening. Do you yes. have an opening? Yes. And you know, begging us to take, and we're like, mm, yeah. we don't have a bed. And yes. I'd like to add, too, that Shawnee was reimbursed for this through Medicaid. She did not become wealthy no. taking care of these kids. This is, I think this is another reason why these kids were hard to place, because the reimbursement yeah. was not very much. No insurance otherwise. And, yeah. and yet she, she could care less what the reimbursement and, and, rate and she, was. And, and she, it's many times she, they pay, the, the groups would pay through this out of their pocket. Oh, yes. Oh, I, I remember so many times. My dad had a regular job yeah. um, until he retired, but that funded a lot of, or yeah. he built the cribs or this yeah. um, piece of equipment to help work with the kids. All right, let me get this uh, first break in, and we will come back and continue our conversation. Dr. Renee Bravo, Dr. Steve Sainsbury, and Wendy DeGroote, reminding or introducing you to the remarkable Shawnee DeGroote, who passed away recently. A lot more to come on this broadcast. We're live, we're local, we're hometown. This is the Dave Congleton Show, always your hometown radio talk show. Uh, Very pleased to have this conversation with Dr. Renee Bravo, Dr. Steve Sainsbury, and Wendy DeGroote talking about uh, Shawnee DeGroote, obviously Wendy's mother, a very important part of this community for decades, 37 years. So, I don't know, Dr. Bravo, I guess I'd start with you. Here's this woman who's approaching sainthood, and she's doing all these wonderful things, and doctors and families from around the state are... Thankful for San Luis Obispo, what happened? Well, I, I think primarily what evolved was the fact as as more and more mandates were being uh, put on how to care for disabled children, it became very clear that the DeGroote home wasn't, it didn't fall into any of the categories very neatly. And one, what I do know about bureaucracies, and especially Sacramento, is that it's fairly rigid sometimes in terms of how it defines things. And Shawnee's and her, her the, Shawnee's style, her system, the home defied all of the um, bureaucracies, um, uh, and, and they didn't know what to do. And so many of them, many times through the years, we would have uh, I call them little waves of attacks, where they would come down with a few guys in a briefcase and measure the beds and measure the distances between the beds and measure the curtains and 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 look at the record keeping or do all these sorts of things like you would do for a hospital, and the reasons why you do that for hospitals, but it didn't work. I mean, it it, it really they failed to see the big picture of what was being accomplished here, the outcomes, right. the survival, and so that's that's what that's what really happened. And and you know, if you ever ask the question, could this happen today? I don't think so, because the the state bureaucracies, especially with healthcare, have become so rigid and so dogmatic that that it doesn't allow for these individuals who have visions that are able to cast these things clearly. Doctor Steve, what happened at the end? Well, I, I was just going to say to give an example of what Renee was talking about, uh, the, the regulators came in and said that she had to build walls between each of the beds so that they were in separate rooms, as it were. And Shawnee said that's like putting them in cages. Yeah. And it, it just took away from the, the whole idea of being able to walk by a child and smile at them as you're going somewhere else. And, and she the, had been claustrophobic because of what happened to her with the Nazis. Correct. 
and this this and and plus it just it just was good for the kids to be able to be open and in a in a open air environment where people were always walking by and paying attention to them plus it was good medicine because you could see if a child had vomited or yeah. was having a problem yeah. whereas if they were behind walls they couldn't, and yet the regulators couldn't see the wisdom of, of doing it the way Shawnee was doing it. That's just one example, and there's many others. Yeah, and so, but Wendy, you were there going through all this. What was that like on your mother and on you? Well, the more someone pushed my mom, the more <laughs> she pushed back. Um, you can't tell her no if she knew it was the right thing for that baby that was or that family to help. Um, she wouldn't give up, and mm -hmm. she'd call someone uh, a legislator or a doctor and said what can we do and then you know newspaper would try and you know she'd find a way um as much as she could um and didn't give up i mean she really would not give up if she felt strongly about something how long did the fight go on for with the state uh, forever <laughs> From the beginning yeah. till the till oh, so from the very beginning, yeah. Always, oh, she never beginning. fit in. I mean, okay. first she was a she small never. family home with six children, and they said you're taking kids too sick for this level of care. And she said, well, what level of care do I fit in? We don't have that. So because she was under social service, and then Department of Health Service said, well, we have this category, and she said, but I don't want to have them to have to leave because they're improving. You know, she was there. They belong here. We're family. So she never fit in. It was always a fight every step of the way. And she, I don't want to say thrived, but she was able. She, she had a certainty, a surety about herself. Yeah. She had what I called a righteous tenacity, you know, or a righteous stubbornness. Because, Stubborn, yes. Yeah, yeah, well, she was, she was Dutch. Dynamo. And she, yes, and she, she, she had that. I, I, I remember as a young pediatrician just being totally impressed and enamored with how she dealt with these things because I had truly never met somebody like that I mean I came from an immigrant class myself so yeah. I saw some of that but I said this is more than that this is she she and and here's the deal she was right 99% of the time okay I don't know many people that, that, that I could say that about. But in the, when it really boiled, because she would come to me and I said, well, how could that be now? Or, you know, you can't believe what the state said. And I said, well, and then she was right. They <laughs> said that, you know. And, she would, and, and so she really had a good basis. And I learned how to deal with bureaucracy. Sometimes you just have to fight them head on and just out, you just out grind them. And I never knew anybody that could work, the, that, that had these legislators doing things for her. And she, 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 she learned how to connect with them. And some of them really, really, really helped. And, and I learned to, you know, to, to understand how that can work too. I, before I got here, I had nothing, knew nothing about that. Yeah. Tacho, I know was a big supporter. Tacho was mm -hmm. huge. I think that she had a lot of these fights for years and years and years with the with the bureaucrats, but at the end, over the course of a couple of years, it really mounted, and they had they had violation after violation after violation, and they were they were just as stubborn as Shawnee was, and she saw she she saw the that there wasn't a light at the end of the tunnel. And, well, my dad had just passed away, yes. and it almost seemed yeah. like this three from the state one was actually a federal from chicago came and they were on a mission um to cl closer they no matter what um a family member heard that we're closing this place no matter what so i mean and my dad had just passed um it, you know and she's i said maybe it is time mom you know she still kept a couple of the children without pay um just because they had nowhere else to go 
It was devastating for Shawnee at that oh, at the end. This she said, was, I can't live this like this. was heartbreaking to her oh, to see her home have horrible, to have to close. I've never yeah. seen her so no, devastated. I haven't either. All right, let's pause, catch the news. We've got California Headline News and ABC Radio News. Craig updates us with Time Saver Traffic and Weather Together. And we'll be back with Dr. Steve Sainsbury, Dr. Renee Bravo, and Wendy DeGroote talking about the one, the only Shawnee DeGroote. This is Hometown Radio. Appreciate you joining us on Hometown Radio. I'm Dave Congleton. We are in conversation with Dr. Renee Bravo, Dr. Steve Sainsbury, and Wendy DeGroote. We're putting the spotlight on a remarkable woman who left us uh, recently, uh, Shiny DeGroote. You may have heard of the DeGroote Home for Children. It was a fixture in this community for nearly 40 years. So, but I got to be fair here. And I guess, uh, Dr. Bravo, I'll start with you. The state comes in shuts them down was there no justification for this i think i think i think that when you look at the whole look at the big picture i couldn't find any moral justification for it because essentially what they were what what was left was nothing for children like this anywhere else i mean very few resources out there for for very physically disabled children and and for what she was doing for the outcomes i really I think challenging bureaucracies is a dangerous game, yep. and it creates a lot of animus. And I think that there are vendettas that can occur within bureaucracies, you know, especially bureaucracies that are very entrenched in, in how they do things. And that's that. I mean, that's a human foible, to be honest. But I don't think that I, in all the years that I worked there, I never saw anything that was that was injurious to a patient. Or, or, or detrimental to a patient. And I would think if you had, you would have spoken up. Absolutely. I mean, I, and, 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 but we, those of us who knew her and knew the family and knew how they were doing things, we were so very comfortable because we, we, we put our reputations on the line when we would go there. Yeah. And, and Shawnee was that type of person. I, again, like I said, she had the ability to see, to, she was prescient in that she was able to see with each one of these kids what they needed much more quickly than, than some of our own mental capabilities. And, <laughs> and so it was a gift that she had, um, you know, pain control. I mean, before, before now, now hospitals are all about pain control. But back in the 80s, she was really all over that, mm-hmm. you know. So she was, she was ahead of her time in many, many ways. And, and I, I really do, you know, I, I've had to work on this through the years, but I, I've I learned to be a little less, a little more forgiving of some of the bureaucracies that I dealt with because generally, even though they're trying to do good, sometimes they lose the big picture when they're trying to, to enforce these picuane little rules, which really are not relevant. Yeah, Dr. Steve, the rules are rules. Yeah, they are, but rules uh, sometimes are inappropriately applied, and this is one of the situations where they were. Uh, they just kept nickel and diming her. She kept trying to do what they asked to do, but some were just would have been so prohibitively expensive, or it just was not in the patient's best interest to have it done. For example, another example is they, they, they wanted her to, uh, to not wash, not bathe their kids in a sink. They wanted her to bathe them in a bathtub. But, but that was much less safe with these kids that couldn't yeah. 
they couldn't protect themselves at all. It was much safer to do it in a sink, wash their hair. Well, they said, we'll do bed baths, but then they couldn't, they couldn't have their hair washed that way, Shawnee said. In other words, she, she was a, practically, a practical-based person. And if it, there was a practical solution to a medical problem, she would use that, and it didn't always fit the rules. Yeah, when do you think your mom was targeted? Yes, because um, she did not fit in, and it was kind of an era where they wanted more regulation. It was um, insurance and funding all around was changing so much. Um, that was 2013. There was a lot of um, changes with that and how things were funded or paid, and she just didn't fit in. Um, nothing changed in her facility, but overnight it seemed even more that it wasn't just wasn't going to stay. They were not going to allow her to continue caring. And each time there were more violations. Every, oh, yeah. And like, what? This was fine last year. What? Nothing has changed on our part. And all of a sudden, that was a problem, like a half wall that we could see all the beds. And it was not good anymore. How did she keep going through all this? Uh, strong faith and just her perseverance being through so much in her life and having the mission or goal of what she wanted to love and make the baby's lives comfortable. Mm-hmm. Uh, text coming in on the Stolberg line, listeners suggesting that maybe we should have a statue of Mrs. DeGroote with a windmill in Mitchell Park. There you go. <laughs> Will they have to take that one down, though? And, of course, the DeGroote home is right across the street from Mitchell Park. It's yeah. It, right, yeah. right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what, so what happens to the children now, if the, 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 these children that are special needs? Well, there's no DeGroot home, so where do they go? Well, right now the focus is more on home health care and, and making sure that uh, the ones that need hospice, many of them go into hospice, first of all. And hospice is another topic that, you know, that, that there's a lot of deficiencies in pediatric hospice care. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and it's, a, it's, an, it's an area of medicine which is now evolving, but that's where they go. Um, and there aren't any, there, there are very few, in fact, I don't know of any facilities that were like the DeGroote Home around for hundreds of miles now. Um, but yeah, we, we, I, I really can't tell you, Dave, what happens anymore. Um, uh, the 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 some of them uh, do some of them get out of the hospitals. I don't know. You know, it's been ten years. Yeah. That's my mom. The facility has been closed. She still gets faxes or calls. Do you have an opening? She has ten not years been later. In, yeah. Ten yeah. years later. Ten years later. Yeah. They still ask if you guys have an opening. Yeah. I mean, there without without breaking any sort of HIPAA violations. I mean, there were kids. I mean, I remember one very very sad case where a child had bit was not neurodevelopmentally disabled, but had been shot by his parents, uh, by his father, and uh, you know the mo- the mother was no longer there, and the father was in prison, and that baby had nowhere to go. And and came from uh, from a Southern California county, and she cared for that baby. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know, he was and, blind. Yeah, with the G tube. Yeah, but he laughed, and he obviously could hear because we yeah. had music and would do yeah. stimulation and try to yeah. make it as happy as we could for him. Let's take some uh, phone calls. We'll start with uh, Frank in San Luis on KVEC. Hi, Frank. You know, uh, I can I can't say enough about all of the folks that are on the on the show today. Uh, when I was uh, in just in high school, my mom introduced me to uh, helping drive some folks from Casa de Vida around. And then when I graduated Poly and ended up working for Longs, we worked downtown and had a great relationship with making sure that whenever Mr. Bravo, Doctor Bravo, whoever called 
they got what they needed, and we delivered scripts. And and there were some folks who just couldn't go there because they saw the shape the kids were in. But what she was doing was so amazing that I said, I'll do whatever it takes to make the few-block trip, and we'll bring them whatever they need. Because she was, again, everybody can say that, an angel and her and the whole family. So, uh, yeah, if there's a statue or a monument or a whatever it takes. Yeah. Dr. Bravo, want to come in? Well, thank you for saying that. That's very kind of you. But, but you know, and, and, and but I'll tell you, you're, you're right in recognizing this. The reason why I'm sitting here in this studio is because this is one of the, the most remarkable human beings that I have yeah. ever had the, 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 the privilege of working with in my medical career. And I will never forget the, her tenacity and her courage and her integrity um, and, and what she projected. Um, yeah. You know, she she was a once in a generation type of human being. Yeah, Frank. She, she had yeah, a deep. I think, sorry, I think there was one thing to say is you know I, I followed a little bit of this state thing, but before that, corporations you can you can talk to them, you can find a heart somewhere, and and despite all the rules and regs, we were still able to do what we could to just at the drop of a hat. To, uh, go visit, drop by, do whatever it took, and and the downtown association just was in love with that with yeah. her too. So yeah, uh, and the firefighters. She, I remember she, the firefighters she did so much. Yeah, her, yeah. the fire station yeah. was really supportive. Community. Yeah, Frank, thanks for calling, Doctor Steve. You're going to say I was just going to say that in addition to being a very good nurse and caregiver, she had a deep, abiding, genuine love for these kids. Yes, this this was not a job to her. Nope. this was a mission. This was a a, a calling. And she had it. She's. I consider her the Mother Teresa of of San Luis Obispo. Well, that says of, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> she she slept within ten feet of oh, yeah. all of these kids all the time. Even, even Never went on was, vacation. No, if there was night staff. My mom, if someone one of the children was very sick, she would not sleep. She would rock that baby, yeah. even if there was staff there, because she wanted to give extra love and care and support. We're talking about Shawnee DeGroote. If you want to end the conversation, join us. 805-543-8830 is the number. Beverly joins us on KVEC. Hi, Beverly. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Shawnee sure. was one of the most unique people I've ever met um, in um, in the county or probably in the world. I mean, um, we're foster family. We've adopted and uh, we've had a couple of our children volunteer there. And um, what what she did, the, you know, was just amazing. I, you know, I could feel the love and I'm hoping that, you know, she said she felt it from, from our family when we would go over and just um, you know, just such a such a loss. But uh, what what she did with her life here was just just most amazing. And I thank you. And and I certainly do, uh, thanked uh, Dr. Bravo uh, that I've seen or a few of our children back when foster children not, um, adopted and. And thank you for for all the service and everything. It's nice of you to call, Beverly. Thank you very much. When do you want to comment on what she was saying? Well, say we ran, a lot of people came to visit in different situations. Either they had children that they were helping or they wanted to help us. I mean, so many people would come to the door um, with a package of diapers, no name, didn't need to thank you, just wanted to help. Or big things uh, like fundraisers or whatever, but... There was so much love and support, and people understood she really did this for just because she loved these children. Beverly, thank you. On the Stolberg text line, 
I'll condense this down. A listener is making a comparison between Mrs. DeGroote and Dan Duvall, which is funny because we were talking about that when you came in. Uh, uh, both were exceptional people uh, trying to help, and City Hall is trying to muscle them out. Is that a fair comparison? I don't know if I would say city for my mom. I would say more state. State, state. It was a state, yeah. The city here has been wonderful. Uh, I mean, I have to say our local support, our community for her was Once people would understand what she was trying to do locally, Mm -hmm. many of the people at the the local level would try to work with her in the bureaucracies to to make sure that we, and and it it was actually successful. Sometimes it worked. Yeah, a lot of times it did work. Yeah, I mean, and and she she did know how to to talk to these legislators to make them see this. She was very good with that. Hmm. All right, uh, short break. We'll come back for a final sig with my guests. We're live, we're local. You're listening to The Dave Congleton Show. During the 6 o'clock hour, we will look at the consequences of fewer cars on the road in the future in California. It's going to hit the purses and wallets out there. We'll explain why. We're in our final segment, Dr. Renee Bravo, Dr. Steve Sainsbury, and Wendy DeGroote. We're paying tribute to the late, great Shawnee DeGroote, who uh, passed away recently. If you want in on this conversation, we need to hear from you now, please. 805-543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Meanwhile, starting with you, Dr. Steve, what's her legacy? What's the legacy of Mrs. DeGroote? I think her legacy could, well, she had a very strong faith. She was a very spiritual uh, person, and I think that she took to heart, there's a, there's, in the New Testament, um, Jesus said, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. She really took that to heart. She took those that were the least among us, the cast-offs uh, and broken, broken children, knowing that many of them would die within a short period of time. And during that short period of time, she gave them love and support and great medical care that no one else was willing to give at that time. And I, I admire and respect her immensely. Yeah. Wendy, I know it's personal for you. Yeah. Um, there's no one like her, and there will never be. I could never go in her footsteps. I worked closely with her, but the dedication and love that... She, I mean, her book, I Will Never Give Up, she epitomized that till her end of her life. Can you still get the book? Is the book um, still available? I I think so. Um, <laughs> maybe what to make it more available again. <laughs> yeah. And before we hear from Dr. Bravo, how did it shape you to grow up in that environment? Uh, it taught me to always look outside of myself, how I can make life better for those around me, whether it's patients, I'm a nurse, um, or my children, my family, my friends, I try to whoever or someone at the store, a compliment or someone with the grocery or can't get it in their trunk or just whatever to try to make life a little better for those around you. But is anybody surprised that you became a nurse? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> it wasn't forced. We definitely yeah. we all had our there's a lot of us. There's eight children, you know, we all had our own paths, but um I loved it and i i was grateful and really grateful that i had the opportunity dr bravo what's your legacy you know when you when you examine shawnee's life and you see all of the disadvantages that were th- and disasters 
that were thrown at her as a young, as a as a teenage nurse, uh, the invasion and destruction of Holland, the society, the Third Reich, the Nazis, um, the hiding that she had, she had to hide from from the Germans because she she wouldn't participate in in what they were doing. In fact, they they were forcing nurses to be, be involved. And Shawnee says, "I won't do what they want them to do." Yeah. Which and 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 despite all that adversity, seeing the destruction of your homeland, she would push through with this righteous stubbornness. I'll use that again to to to, to win. So, you know, I think the lesson for me is no matter how bad we think we have it, it really, we can still control our destinies. We can still do good things out there. It's up to us individually. Shawnee was an example, a shining star of how you can take adverse situations and create good things out of it. She was the best of human nature. On the Stolberg line, Jennifer's checking in. Hi, Jennifer. Uh, Shani was a true angel, lover of people. She especially loved her children yes. and made it her mission to ensure that every child knew love, uh, both in word and touch, for as long as they were with us. She will always have a place in my heart. Very true. Thank you. Very typical sentiment, I would imagine. Uh, circle back for me, Wendy. What was it like when the announcement came down that the home was going to close. What happened to the children who were there? Well, it truly was, dev- Dr. Sainsbury talked about it. It was truly devastating to my mom. Um, her life mission, um, all the things she stood up for, stood for, was being taken away. And she's like, what about these kids? Where are they going to go now? Um, we, there's no other places like that. It is either... Um, I don't know, small family home or more restrictive environment, more a large facility. And um, I don't know exactly where I'm, I think one went to a home in Oxnard and one went institutional. I don't even know if she's alive. I, I don't know what happened to what happened to them all. I, I remember writing transfer summaries for a couple of them and they went to these big institutions yeah. And we never heard again. Yeah, and you don't have the right, even though they're like family. No, you, can't, you can't, yeah. Uh, you don't get to know. And you just hope, you hope that they still, somehow, someone else will show them that love. They will still, that little existence, you know, over 80 children died at, in our home. And you hope that that part of their life, whatever it is, they feel cared for, loved. And you just pray that. 80, 80 human souls passed. Yeah. That felt love in that home yeah yeah that that's that is so remarkable 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 human legacy yeah you know i i um it's it's really it's difficult to even articulate that when you think about that it really is just sitting here trying to wrestle with that not just 80 but 80 children yes most of them young children yeah we have very young um but not a single one felt untouched or unloved or alone alone yeah there are people in this community that 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 experience that sort of tragedy personally that she touched their lives and even though it's you know when that tragedy comes to your family she was she was so um she, she was so able to make them participate to let them participate 
and and um, now Shawnee was again, like I say, one of the most remarkable human beings I have ever encountered. So, Doctor Steve, how did she affect your approach to medicine after being with her? She made me. Rec- she helped me to recognize that every patient that I have is an individual that deserves individual caregiving and respect. Um, I never saw her ever be anything except soft with these kids. I, and she taught me that, that as a physician, I need to treat all of my patients the way she treated her patients. And yeah. uh, she was a Good. perfect example to me. Yeah. And Wendy, how did she shape you as a nurse? Um, yeah, you don't, to read the signs of people, you know, a lot of times people like, uh, if you have adult care, I'm used to a pediatric care, but most of these children couldn't speak. So you have to read the signs whether it's someone sick or not and be there and try to comfort and help uplift um however i i I guess it just try to help me be mindful around people around me on the stolberg text line uh, this kind of dedication to serve others is simply amazing yeah we all agree and i think i understand now why we wanted to take some time to mark the passing of a truly special person Dr. Bravo, how did she shape your approach to medicine? I, I think the thing that was most remarkable in, in what I saw, how I saw her deal with people is that human life mattered. All human life mattered. As long as there was life in, in, this, in each individual soul that was born had the right to have dignity up until its last moment of life. Mm-hmm. And, she, and it was really about the dignity, about being held yes. and touched. And she taught me a lot about that because I saw a difference. You know, you didn't you didn't die in a cold hospital room. You died in a home surrounded by people who loved you and cared for you with songs and singing. And and it, it was something that is beyond description in terms of trying to articulate it. But she taught me how precious human life can be. What were the last 10 years like for her, Wendy? My mom was a dynamo. I mean, she, like, she... Um, Still stayed active in church. Um, I mean, she she was 96 years old when she passed last week. Um, she still went to church. She still, till recently, my mom has a large home because it was the facility. Um, yeah. Still wanted her wood floors cleaned, and none of us did it as good as her. Uh, and she did that pretty much in the end. Um, cooking. Um, she still had dinners where she would invite people oh, yeah, over, friends social. and family oh, over. Oh, yeah. She, when we have next dinner together, you know, she was never always looking what she could do and enjoy and help others enjoy, too. I'm so pleased we were able to have this conversation. And I appreciate all three of you coming in on such short notice as we thank Dr. Renee Bravo. Dr. Steve Sainsbury and Wendy DeGroote. Wendy, is there any kind of celebration, any memorial service? Yeah, on, that still being on Saturday uh, at the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Slow on Foothill Boulevard at 11 o'clock, we are going to have a memorial um, to hopefully honor this life that my mom lived so wonderfully. I'm not sure one day will be enough. <laughs> no. But thank you, folks. Appreciate it. Thank Off you. we go. News, traffic, weather, 6 o'clock hour starts now.
The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kbec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.